embattled Congressman Matt Gates. Matt Gates was one of the very few members in the entire Congress who bothered to stand up against permanent Washington on behalf of his constituents. Matt Gates right now, he's a problem for the Democratic Party. And he could cause a lot of hiccups in passing the laws. So we're going to keep running those stories to keep hurting him. If you stand for the flag and kneel in prayer, if you want to build America up and not burn her to the ground, then welcome, my fellow patriots. You are in the right place. This is the movement for you. You ever watch this guy on television? It's like a machine, Matt Gates. I'm a canceled man in some corners of the internet. Many days I'm a marked man in Congress, a wanted man by the deep state. They aren't really coming for me. They're coming for you. I'm just in the way. Welcome back to Firebrand. We are broadcasting live out of room 2021 of the Rayburn House office building on the Capitol Complex here in Washington, D.C. What a week it has been. I've got updates regarding the debt limit negotiations that are happening right now. Also, important information uh, regarding the abuses that the federal government has been engaged in. I hope you watch the FBI whistleblowers episode that we put up yesterday. It went through all the key parts of that testimony, but we're getting even more news about how the FBI is breaking uh, the confines of their authorities, particularly regarding FISA. When the FBI gets to go before secret courts, it seems as though that's when we get the worst behavior. Who could imagine? But before we get to that, why is it that the Department of Defense and their leadership just cannot be straight about stuff, especially the wokeness? Time and again, they say, oh, well, we're not teaching critical race theory in our academies. Then you show them the critical race theory curriculum. They say, oh, we're not aggrandizing socialism. Then you show where they're having pro-socialism literature in their required reading for the National Defense University. And most recently, we had to get to the absurdity of the United States military hosting drag shows on military bases. I asked Secretary of Defense Austin about that recently in the House Armed Services Committee, and I just... You just have to watch this clip, listen to this clip with an eye toward how detached this man is from reality. Take a listen. I guess my question is, how much taxpayer money should go to fund drag queen story hours on military bases? You know, drag, drag queen story hours is not something that uh, the department funds. Wait a second. That's actually not what the record seems to suggest. You were going to fund one at Ramstein Air Force Base. That one got canceled, but that's DOD insignia. That's a drag queen story hour for children. Then also at uh, Malstrom Air Force Base outside of Great Falls, Montana, you had a, a drag queen story hour for kids. At the Joint Base Langley Eustis, you put on a drag queen story hour on a Saturday for the first ever kid-friendly diversity, equity, inclusion summer festival. And at Nellis Air Force Base, you had the Drag U Nellis on June 17th. Who funded these things, Mr. Secretary? Listen, uh, drag shows and, uh, are not something that the Department of Defense uh, supports or funds. So. Wait, why, why are they happening on military bases? I just, I just showed you the evidence. Why are they happening? I will say again. This is not something that we support or fund. Well, you, so you think hosting a drag queen story hour on a military base isn't supporting the drag queen story hour? 
I stand by what I just said. But, but you may stand by it, but it's belied by the evidence over and over again. I mean, are, 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 are you aware of the uh, piece? Uh, Biden's military, Air Force Base in Montana, holds drag show, drag queen story hour for kids in the Western Journal. Are you aware of that? Again, I will but, say what I've said yeah, before. You're saying what you're saying, but I guess it just doesn't comport with the facts. Yeah, it doesn't. And Mark Milley thereafter said, oh, if there's any drag queen story hours going on on military bases, bring me the evidence and I will work to make sure that doesn't happen. I provided General Milley a list. I have not heard back from him. And that brings us to what's happening now, rather predictably. Matthew Lohmeyer is someone who served in the United States military and he also wrote critically about all of the wokeism that was working its way into some of the training and curriculum that the United States, I think he was Air Force, uh, Air Force was engaged in. So Lohmeyer speaks out against these things. He writes against critical race theory and is functionally driven out of the military over it. So now he is a commentator on some of these things. And Lohmeyer puts out a tweet today, cry for help, colon, our military families are in need and are asking for help. The Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, recently testified that, quote, the DOD doesn't support drag shows on military bases, close quote. And again, that was the testimony you just saw. But that's not true. For the third year in a row, Nellis Air Force Base is hosting a drag show. It's one of the many bases now overtly sexualizing the workplace and complicit in introducing sexual predators to children. Troops are reaching out and asking for help to put an end to the madness. The next show at Nellis is June 1st on base in the Officers Club. Flyers below. There is, quote, no minimum age requirement. Isn't that interesting? If you're stationed at Nellis Air Force Base, military contractor or civilian, or any other base where this is happening, let base leadership know this is unacceptable and offensive to you and your family. Submit Inspector General complaints now. Investigate lawsuits. Call your congressman and talk openly with the press. One memo from the Secretary of Defense can end all of this on U.S. military bases. If he won't, and he should, but he likely won't, then our service chiefs can and should end it. Base leadership can end it. Who has the courage among the U.S. military leaders? Step up and do what is right. And he tags me and Tucker Carlson and another a number of other media outlets. And go ahead and, and put up Sasha on the screen. Th this is the advertisement explicitly saying that there is no minimum age requirement for this drag show on a military base for children. What happened to our military? We, we used to be the elite fighting force that was the vanguard for the values and principles of a great nation that was widely celebrated. And now we lose wars and put on drag shows. That is the true legacy of lying Lloyd Austin. And they ought to do better. And I'm going to be sending correspondence pursuant to this notice from Mr. Lohmeyer about this event, and I'm going to be demanding that General Milley and Lloyd Austin merely stay consistent with their testimony. Look, if there is some great value out of putting on drag shows at military bases, then let's freaking hear it. Let them come forward and lay out the great military advantage that we get from the drag queen shows. But they don't do that when they're in committee having to answer questions. And then they want to go behind our back and fund it and support it. We'll either step up and defend it or get rid of it. And we're going to be calling them to a carpet, carpet for this. And you know what else? 
we're going to end this shit by force of law. We're going to put in the National Defense Authorization Act that you are not permitted to engage in this activity on a military base. I can't even believe we have to do that. I can't even believe that's required. But apparently it is. Because elements of the Defense Department have gone woke, and then the generals and the leadership come and lie to Congress about it. Maybe there needs to be a criminal referral for Lloyd Austin lying to Congress, saying these things didn't happen, that they weren't supported. When in fact they are. They're happening now. Lying to Congress is a crime, actually, and Lloyd Austin very well may have committed it. I want to talk now about the debt limit negotiations that are ongoing, and there was a critical argument put out on Twitter recently by my colleague Chip Roy of Texas. Chip Roy is one of the real thought leaders among conservatives and certainly a border hawk and a fiscal hawk. And as we have this discussion right now, you've got the White House engaging in negotiation. I'll give them that. For months, they said only a clean debt limit. Now, Joe Biden is saying we will negotiate. I think the most productive thing that's happened in the debt limit negotiations is probably throwing Chuck Schumer out of the room. He's a person that wants to bring us to the brink and then try to get House Republicans to swallow some increase in the debt limit without any corresponding reductions in spending or key policy steps. So, McCarthy doesn't have a lot of wiggle room here. It's not as if Kevin McCarthy can go and negotiate away from the plan that I didn't vote for that he barely passed off the floor of the House. Now, Chip Roy, my friend, my colleague, a like-minded thinker on many things, he did vote for the Republican plan, but he seems to be making the argument today that he hadn't voted for any step off of this plan. Uh, Here's his argument. Chip Roy, thread on the debt ceiling. The House GOP passed H.R. 2811, the Limit Save Grow Act that raises the debt ceiling $1.5 trillion or until the 31st of March 2024. For sensible, purposeful, non-political reforms, those reforms should not be abandoned because they matter. So we're going to go through them. Purposeful reform number one. Cut the federal bureaucracy to pre-COVID levels by limiting total discretionary 2024 spending to 2022 levels. So rolling back to 2022 level spending, that is $1.47 trillion. That's, That's the value on that change. This will constrain woke bureaucrats, help spur growth and freedom, and it resets spending to save $131 billion now and $3.5 trillion over the next 10 years. All right, let's go to the next point. Purposeful reform two. Cut the so-called Inflation Reduction Act tax credit, always given to rich white elites, 90% of the corporate subsidies, the billion dollars to corporations, 80% to electric vehicles, a lot of it going to people making over $100,000 a year. This saves $1.2 trillion. It keeps reliable energy in our country and it will stop these increases to gas and electricity that our nation has suffered. So number one is the rollback on the money. Number two is the rollback on the crazy Green New Deal stuff. Purposeful reform number three, back to Chip Roy's tweet. Implement the RAINS Act to end the abuse of executive power to pass regulations that cost Americans hundreds of billions of dollars by requiring congressional approval for significant regulations. 
Purposeful reform number four, end the oppressive and deficit-increasing $550 billion in student loan bailouts that picks winners and losers, forcing hardworking plumbers or patriotic veterans to subsidize the privilege. Some gender studies students' master's degree. Purposeful reform number five, end the $80 billion IRS expansion that will target poor and minority Americans three to five times more than non-poor and minority taxpayers. In other words, another policy that hurts hardworking families while the elite and privileged just hire a lawyer. That is so, he's so right about that because the big powerful corporations, they're going to have the money for the accountants and the lawyers to get around any increase in a contribution they would have to make in taxes. When Joe Biden raises taxes, it squeezes the regular folks who don't have those means. And, it, and, it, and adding more IRS agents is just going to function to, I guess, help IRS defense attorneys, but it certainly won't help working people. Purposeful reform number seven. Ending work requirements for able-bodied, I'm sorry, enforcing work requirements for able-bodied Americans, mirroring the bipartisan reforms signed by President Clinton and supported by then-Senator Joe Biden, widely supported by Americans to spur economic growth, growth and reduce welfare. As many of you know, this has been one of the key policy concessions that I've been fighting for in the debt limit negotiations. A serious country does not go to $49 trillion in debt over the next 10 years while paying people who could work not to. That is so obvious. I can't even believe I have to say it out loud. And if Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich could do welfare to work, then we should be doing welfare to work right now. We got a lot of people on the dole who don't need to be, who would see their own conditions and their own lives improved if they did not engage in multi-generational government dependence. And we see that too often now. Purposeful reform number eight, reclaim $50 billion in unobligated and unspent COVID money. That just seems pretty obvious to me now that the pandemic is over. And Roy concludes that all of these reforms together are going to help the middle class. They're going to help hardworking American families far more than this democratic agenda that has crushed our economy decimated the energy sector, hurt all the productive sectors, squeezed the supply chain, driven inflation, and ensured that American families are no longer able to dream their best dreams and live their best lives. So I think Roy makes a compelling point. I think that the real signal Roy is sending there is actually not to Joe Biden. It's probably to Kevin McCarthy. Chip Roy is telling Kevin McCarthy with that tweet thread, that each and every one of these reforms is essential and that he can't cut a deal to raise the debt limit without them. But that said, uh, here's what I think the ultimate debt limit deal will be. I think it will include some permitting reforms from H.R. 1. Biden will simply say that's an extension of his infrastructure bill. We'll say that it's our H.R. 1 key permitting and energy bill. I think we'll get some work requirements, maybe not on the Medicaid expansion universe, which is where you get a lot of the savings, but we might get work requirements on SNAP and TANF. And instead of the $1.5 trillion increase in the debt limit, I believe it will be a far greater increase in the debt limit, over $2 trillion, bringing us into 2025. 
That would be a deal that I think McCarthy could support, Biden could support, and I sure as hell wouldn't. I would be a no on such a deal because it is insufficient downward pressure on inflation. And it is a gaslighting of the growth of government beyond what I would ever be willing to put my name on. So that's what I'm starting to sense based on some of the smoke signals I've received will be the four corners of the deal. And it will require McCarthy getting 50, 60, 70 Democrats to vote for it because my suspicion is that me and a lot of the folks that you see on Firebrand, the Andy Biggses, uh, the Scott Perrys, they probably wouldn't support something like this. And I don't think Chip Roy would either based on that tweet thread that we saw. Don't think that we'll have some key provisions in like those Green New Deal uh, revocations and rollbacks. And I don't think we're going to get the Reigns Act either, even though that would be a monumental win for conservatives. Speaking of winning, it sure feels like we're getting through to the American people about the abuses of the FBI. Again, whistleblowers telling compelling stories about stat padding, about targeting our fellow Americans. And when they did those things, man, were they crushed. Well, who else got crushed in a court order today was uh, the FBI. Wall Street Journal, with a fresh, hot piece, just got it uh, as we were coming on to stream today. FBI improperly searched spy database for information on Americans, court says. And uh, I'm citing now here from the Wall Street Journal, despite a lack of evidence, the FBI performed more than a dozen searches of raw foreign intelligence data related to people believed to be involved in the Capitol riot for foreign ties. Three January 6th searches were conducted that used more than 23,000 search terms. Now, it wasn't just the January 6th subjects and targets that had their rights violated this way. It was also folks involved in the BLM riots. This was surprising to me. The FBI analysts also searched for information related to 133 people arrested in the aftermath of the protests prompted by the killing of George Floyd. So there you have it. Whether you're a BLM activist or someone who was at the Capitol on January 6th, the FBI is willing to take authorities that they have to spy on foreigners And if they collect any information on Americans during that search of a foreigner, well, they keep that. And then they search it whenever they want to. That is so wrong. If you want to get information on someone, we have a process in this country. You get a warrant. You establish probable cause. You give deference to people's Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights. But not this FBI. They gather. They search. And as you saw with the whistleblowers, when they're done with that, they destroy. I believe we've got to entirely reimagine federal law enforcement and the national security state. I think we have to get a whole heck of a lot of that outside of Washington, D.C. We should not be building them a new headquarters. We should not reauthorize certain authorities in foreign intelligence collection that then get brought home and used against our fellow Americans. And we should never allow the retaliation against these whistleblowers like we have seen. Hope everyone has a great and fun weekend. As always, we ask that you subscribe to the show, that you make sure you have that little bell rung. Click that. Ensure your notifications are turned on because different times of the day, we go live to give you reports as they are happening from here in Washington. Thanks so much for being patriots, for being part of our audience.
Roll the credits.